presenting this month's special series, Focus on Allergy. Allergy season is in full swing. From asthma to food allergies, ReachMD is keeping you up to date with the latest in allergy medicine. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Hot Topics in Allergy, presented by the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Your host is Dr. Todd A. Marr, Director of Pediatric Allergy Immunology at Gunderson Lutheran Medical Center in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Indoor pollutants worsen many allergic diseases, including asthma and chronic rhinosinusitis. How can patients improve the air quality inside their homes and reduce their exposure to allergens? Joining us to discuss top tips on environmental control and triggers at home is Dr. James Sublett, clinical professor and section chief of pediatric allergy at the University of Louisville School of Medicine in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome, Dr. Sublett. Nice to be here, Todd. So what are some of the conditions made worse by indoor allergens? Let's start with that. Well, generally, there are two issues that we deal with in indoor environments. One would be moisture and the other would be ventilation. Related to that, you can have issues like indoor pets or smoking and so forth. So there can be a combination of environmental issues that can cause problems. So are humidifiers helpful then or harmful in most homes? In most homes, the problem is really with too much humidity. The problems with humidifiers is that you cannot really keep the humidifier themselves totally sterile and clean. And there have actually been case reports of asthma being triggered by contaminated humidifiers. In addition, a lot of the things we worry about that trigger allergy are actually increased with high humidity. Such things as dust mites, they like high humidity. And then mold, of course, can be an issue. So really, in most cases, it's better to look toward lowering humidity rather than increasing it by using a vaporizer or humidifier. So is there ever a condition where you would recommend a humidifier? Very rarely. I think the upside really is far outweighed by the potential risk. And if you look at a lot of the issues that humidifiers can cause and the fact that most people are not really able to control the contamination of the humidifiers, it's really better to not use them on any regular basis. If you just feel like you have to have humidification, what I suggest doing is just you know, set a pan of water on the stove or a steam kettle. Or If you are going to use a vaporizer, don't use it in a child's bedroom, but you know, maybe use a steam vaporizer for a short period of time just to add some humidity into the home. It's a good idea if you're going to do that to check your humidity with a, you can get a simple device and a lot of retail operations will carry these that sell for about 20 bucks, and they actually will help you measure the humidity level. And we like to recommend keeping it no higher than 30% because you have a margin there. When you get above that, you may start having problems with either mold or dust mite contamination. Okay. Another question that always comes up is carpeting. Is carpeting safe? When can you have carpeting? Do you recommend ripping it out? What do you do? Well, I think generally most allergists feel that carpeting potentially harbors a lot of the things that we worry about as triggers of allergy or asthma. Especially in the bedroom, we recommend having smooth surface flooring, but throughout the house, it's much easier to keep the dust particles down. I think the point to make is that these particles are very small. They're not things you can see with the human eye. They're usually down around one, two, three, certainly less than five microns that cause most of the allergy problems. A human hair cross-section is 100 microns, so you can't really identify these little particles or even effectively remove them. So it's much better, if you can, to have a smooth surface. If for some reason you can't, maybe you're in a rental situation or you just can't afford to 
rip up carpeting through your house. I usually tell people to start in their bedroom, and if they do have carpeting, use a high-efficiency filter, either a canister-type filter like the cyclonic filters or one that may have a high-efficiency particle accumulator or HEPA filter on the bag, and that would reduce the amount of particles that are blown back out into the air by the vacuuming of the carpeting. So something with a HEPA filter or a special type of vacuuming. So another tip is to really clean effectively. Yes. And on a regular basis, you know, we really recommend that on a regular basis that you would use a, if you have carpeting, a type of vacuum that would reduce the amount of particles thrown back out in the air. Remembering that when you're doing that, you're actually disturbance of the carpet itself. You will have particles thrown up. And if you're the allergic person, it's better to wear a protective filter mask, something like a NIOSH mask, an N95 mask, which will reduce the amount of particles you inhale. And then if your children have allergies, it's really better not to have them around while you're doing that vacuuming because it may take an hour or two for those particles to settle back out once you've got them stirred up. So do you ever write prescriptions for people not to vacuum? (laughs) We're frequently asked that question, and certainly we can, but I'm not sure that would get very far with the uh, other individuals in the house. So what about pets? A lot of people want to have pets in their home, and how can patients keep pet allergies kind of at bay? I think one thing, and we frequently see people come in, they're, they're assuming they're allergic to their pets, or maybe they're the physician, their primary care physician has told them to get rid of their pets. And I think that's one real benefit of seeing a board-certified allergist who can help that patient identify whether they're truly allergic or not. Because there are a lot of people who are allergic to their cats and dogs, but there are a lot of people who are not. If you are allergic, and that's confirmed by allergy skin testing, then we would at the very minimum recommend getting the pet out of the bedroom. The animals, it's not just the hair, it's actually the allergen can be found in all of their body secretions and all the, you know, the dander and the uh, saliva if the cats lick their hair. And so that'll break off and float around in the air. So at the very minimum, keep them out of the bedroom. They should be kept off all furniture, up off especially upholstered furniture, keep them off the couch and chairs and so forth. And, you know, ideally, if you're highly allergic to an animal, it'd be better to get the animal out of the house. But for a lot of people, again, this isn't practical for some reason, and that's where you may want to talk to your allergist about potential therapies such as allergy immunotherapy, allergy shots to help reduce the reaction to that animal. The other problem with animals, as you know, Todd, is that you get passive exposure. and You may have a child who doesn't have an animal at home, but they have exposure when they visit relatives or friends or even in the schoolroom. So it's not entirely possible to remove exposure to animals for those people who are very sensitized. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Hot Topics in Allergy from ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Marr, and joining me to discuss top tips on environmental control and triggers at home is Dr. James Sublett, clinical professor and section chief of pediatric allergy at the University of Louisville School of Medicine in Louisville, Kentucky. So let's stay in the bedroom and talk about how about patients and their bed linens? How can they ensure that they're allergen-free? Well, again, a very large percentage of allergic patients have allergies to dust mite. We mentioned earlier to keep the humidity down and not use vaporizers or humidifiers. But even doing that, the dust mites live in the mattresses and pillows, and they'll actually live in the sheets and blankets on a bed. So one thing we recommend is to encase both the mattress and the pillow in particular with a mite-proof encasings, and these should be a finely woven fabric-type encasings. 
and they will prevent the mites from migrating through the fabric down into the mattresses or pillows. All the linens, the bed linens, should be washable, and they should be washed on a regular basis in, in hot water to both kill the dust mites and kill their eggs, and that slows down the recycling of the mites in the environment, and that's been shown to be effective. So encasings and hot water washing are the, really the, the most important thing to do related to dust mite allergy. So let's move to a different part of the house. What about furnaces and air conditioning systems? Are they risky allergen environments? What can people do for those? You know, there's been interesting studies showing that actually with air conditioning and forced air heat, you actually can see increased problems with allergy and asthma, particularly if there's been any kind of contamination. So having a good quality heating and air conditioning filter on the heating and air conditioning system is important. There is a rating system called a MERV rating. It stands for Minimum Efficiency Rating Value that is a independent testing type rating, and we generally recommend having a high rating in the range of 11 or 12. These are disposable filters. You don't have to go to a lot of expense. You don't have to go out and spend thousands of dollars. These are generally available in the range of 12 to 16 or $18, under $20 certainly most retail operations where you can get these filters. And then you change those filters about once every three months. And they've been shown to reduce particulates in the house. Now, it's important to remember the filtration alone will not in any way cure allergy or remove all the particles because a lot of this is in settled dust, as we've already discussed. So you want to work on those areas too. So you have dust in the air and everything. Are fans helpful in reducing allergens around the house or do they just kind of blow things around? They tend to blow things around. We somehow recommend if you don't have forced air heat and air conditioning, consider getting a, a room air cleaner. Again, the HEPA room air cleaners are rated for a certain size room. So if you're going to use something that blows air, you want to use a air cleaner that has a HEPA filter. Certainly, we want to avoid anything that produces ozone, like the ionizers have been shown to actually increase problems because ozone, of course, is a pollutant, and just like we worry about it in outside air pollution, you then can run into problems with indoor air pollution from these ozone generators that actually just mask the odors, and they may temporarily remove particles, but they really don't do a very effective job of reducing the particles in the air long term. So you're recommending more of the HEPA-like room air cleaners, but you're telling people be aware that they do come in sizes. I think that's important. Some people I know have come in my practice and they've picked up ones that really aren't going to do the size of the room they have. Right, that's important. There's a rating system called the Clean Air Delivery Rate that actually you can look on the, they should be rated. I'd only buy a air cleaner that is rated and they should have a rating that's appropriate for the size room that you're trying to use it in. I think the best combination for people that really have a lot of problem with dust in their house, if they have a dusty environment or maybe they have animals in the house, is a combination of a air cleaner in their bedroom and a kind of a tip there, you want to set these up on a table because if you set them on a carpet, a lot of times they will actually stir more dust up than they remove in combination with just a good, efficient air filter on the furnace that you change on a regular basis. And as you told us, they don't have to necessarily get the expensive add-on units for their furnace. It can be the kind that basically slip into what's already there, but a better filter material. Exactly. And there's new filter media that is high-capacity and highly efficient. You know, they're 95, 96, 99 percent efficient, depending on the size particle they're trying to filter. When you get ready to change them, you just change them and throw the dust and dirt away that you filtered. You're not recirculating it out in the air. And usually, most of these have enough capacity they can last two or three months. Uh, it's just important to remember to change them at that regular interval. So what about gas appliances like stoves or fireplaces? Are these risky? Do these create a lot of triggers in the home? 
You know, we just have gone through an extreme the cold with an ice storm here in Louisville, where I am based, and we've unfortunately had four carbon monoxide-related deaths. It's important to remember that all of these gas appliances, their combustible byproducts can be toxic, and they also produce particulates that can be irritants, similar to like cigarette smoke is an irritant and a toxin to our respiratory tract. But they also, you know, the concern about carbon monoxide and and you know, low-grade headaches are actually a sign of low-grade carbon monoxide poisoning. So it's important if you have gas appliances or fireplaces that burn, you know, gas logs, to have those appliances checked on a regular basis to make sure they're operating effectively and properly. And keep the vents clean on the outside of the house, which is up where I live a problem in that when it snows a lot, some of these get overrun by snow and other things and get iced up. And so people need to realize that that can be an issue. What about chemicals from household cleaners? I know I get asked this a lot. Are there ones that are riskier? What do you recommend for people who want to use these? Well, I think, again, if you have a patient that has allergies, or as we know, there are some people that have identical symptoms to allergy that have what we call non-allergic rhinitis or non-allergic asthma, where they have, they're bothered by strong odors and smells and that sort of thing. Those people in particular, both the allergic patients and these individuals will have problems with things like perfume and candles and in your cleaners, your strong odors or aerosols can be a problem and they can be directly irritating to the respiratory tract and actually be a trigger. We try to tell people to avoid using things that either produce very strong odors or perfume-like odors and aerosols, like room air fresheners can be a problem. You know, burning candles can be an issue. So all those things potentially can aggravate the problems they're already having. So if you had to leave a primary care provider with one tip that they could give their asthmatic or allergic rhinitic patient, what would it be for environmental control? I think one is recognize that all small particles can be irritating, everything from tobacco smoke to the perfumes and VOCs from aerosols, and then also recognize that there may be hidden things that are bothering these patients, and don't just assume because they have a cat that that's the cause. That Again, referral for an evaluation can be important, and to give generalized tips on trying to reduce particulates introduced into the home environment in general would be helpful. Excellent. I would like to thank my guest from the University of Louisville School of Medicine, Dr. James Sublett. Dr. Sublett, thank you for being our guest this week on Hot Topics in Allergy. Thank you very much. Enjoyed being here. You've been listening to Hot Topics in Allergy. This show has been presented by the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. For more information on the ACAAI, please visit ACAAI.org. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Allergy. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.